all right, I can't do that music any longer. <laughs> I am so sorry about that. I just liked the titles, so I picked them. So there's background music uh, put into this uh, uh, this program that we're using, and uh, I was just being able to pick some stuff. Um, oh, I'm seeing texts already. Yeah, yesterday's program was uh, was a I know a bit of a shocker to to y'all, uh, and I apologize for that. Uh, just just know that uh, my heart is with Jesse. We're good friends. Um, look, I ended the broadcast saying, you know, that if the Lord strikes it down and takes away all my, I'm willing to go through that. So. I have reasons. It's not a, it's not a pride thing. It's not anything like that. I just have some reasons. I don't want to get uh, taken off track with this, though, because this show will be all about the military analyst. Now, he has had his computer hit and stuff like that, so I'm hoping he's going to be able to jump on in time. Uh, actually, let me just check my email to make sure that uh, he was able to get it. Okay, I don't see any... Uh, big email uh, issues right now, so I expect he'll be jumping on. Uh, one of the first things I got to say to you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us, uh, but I also would like to apologize for last Wednesday and missing the show, uh, leaving Chris out high and dry. Uh, in fact, I didn't even give him notice that I wasn't going to be able to do the show I had been recording some stuff earlier that day, and literally, uh, without giving into too much details, I had like three things happen immediately as soon as I turned my phone back on from recording, and they were all time sensitive. I didn't even have time to think. I didn't even realize I had missed the show until I get a phone call about 1.30, which obviously would have been a half an hour into it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I totally missed this, so... Uh, my apologies to uh, everyone uh, that is uh, has been waiting for him. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, I'm seeing, uh, do you know where we can still listen to Jesse? Well, first of all, uh, just looking at the text, Jesse will be a guest on Right On Radio. Uh, she just won't be there every single day. Uh, Jesse is welcome as a guest on Right On Radio. So, you know, I wouldn't uh, worry about that. And she, as I mentioned on the show yesterday, she does plenty of shows. Look, I know it's a shocker. It's It was hard for me, too. Believe me, it hurt. And uh, and I had contemplated the decision for a very long time. Uh, literally, it was going back over six months. And, you know, I'm not going to give out the juicy details of things because, quite honestly, that's between us. And... You know, um, if a if a married couple has differences or whatever, you don't need to know the intimate details of everything that uh, is happening. Uh, and uh, listen, you know, it wasn't something I took lightly. Uh, as I say, I had to do it. Uh, if you only listened for Jesse, then you know uh, she's still doing plenty of shows, and you know, you'll you'll see her all the time. Maybe you'll come back once in a while when she is on the show, but. Uh, I just put it out there uh, to the Lord, and that's it. So uh, let me text Chris here real quick, because he should be on here uh, by now. Just give me two seconds. I'm not real great at multitasking. But, yeah, here we go, Chris. Hey, Chris, we are live. 
So while we're waiting for Chris to come on, I'm just going to give my blanket statements. This is a faith-based program. I do believe in the Bible, uh, in the 66 books of the Bible. I reject the Jesus Strand stuff, the Mary Magdalene, all this New Age stuff. Uh, and, but yet, uh, I let Chris on and Chris has a very different point of view. And one of the things that's important and one of the reasons I let Chris come on is because he has really deep research and great intel. Do I agree with everything? Absolutely not. In fact, flat earth is probably a perfect example of that, but the, you know, there's a lot of truth to the intel that he brings. And in my opinion, it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, system type of speak and one of the things that they wanted to bring forward and stuff like that. But Chris has really gone deep into researching and bringing all this stuff out. And out of respect for Chris, I do not debate him online. I just let his uh, his stuff get out because if you listen to the program regularly, you know exactly where I stand on just about every issue. So, you know, that is one of the reasons why we bring Chris on. And, and quite honestly, Chris has brought, uh, you know, a, a good audience with him. And uh, a lot of people are looking for the information that, that Chris gives. And, you know, I'm not going to be one to say that you can't have this information because I disagree with it. Well, that, that's that's not me. Um, I will tell when I disagree with things typically. But again, you know, Chris, uh, he comes on, he reads his prepared essays because he wants to be complete in his information. And he puts all this stuff out there. And let me just see if he has emailed back. Just one second. Okay, I'm still not seeing anything from him. And I was just literally talking to him uh, 10 minutes before coming on to the show. So he is ready. I suspect there is a technical problem of some kind if he is not here. All right. Hey, thanks for giving the likes to the show and everything else. And uh, welcome. Great to see you. Great to see you as well. Twin, Misty River, and Sam. That's right. God has bigger plans and God's in control. And you never know what the future will bring, right? Um, look, I, I, I know I don't want to talk about it, but I know you guys want to talk about it. And, and I completely understand that. So uh, I just spoke from the heart yesterday on the show. And I hope that came out. Uh, if you're unsure, uh, maybe you should go back and listen to everything that I said. Uh, because, you know, although it wasn't scripted, I believe I got every point out that I needed to get out on it. And, uh, you know, that's it. it. If I didn't feel like I had to, I wouldn't have. And I just felt I had to. And that's that's all I'm going to say at this point. Uh, Jesse and I were even texting this morning. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, things are a little awkward now, of course, you know, uh, we're in a transition and we don't never know where it'll go. All right, folks, just give me a second. I'm going to put on some music and uh, I hope I can play music on here and I'll play better music and try to call Chris at the same time because he really should have been on by now. And I don't want to miss this. So hopefully I can run the two things at once and uh, we'll see what happens here. I'm just, I'll play a better song than before. How about this one?
nope, that's not going to let me do it. So I'm just going to have to mute my mic. I apologize. There's going to be a moment of silence, but I'm going to be as quick as possible. All right, I'm back. I just got off the phone with Chris, and he is having trouble. He did not get the link, which was sent out to him about 20 minutes ago. Uh, but as I say, his uh, his computer's been hit, and uh, there's a, it's been a little bit difficult getting some people on sometimes. But Chris is going to show up. Uh, Chris has just uh, shown up, and there he is. He is live. All right, so without further ado, I have given my introduction uh, to the entire show, but Chris is here. He is the military analyst. Uh, we uh, disguise his real name because he would be killed for stuff that he brings out, but this one is particularly interesting. A lot of people have interest in the flat earth thing. Look, I'm going to give my theory on flat earth and round earth at the end of this entire thing. I'm going to play a video for you guys. I'm going to show you a really interesting theory. Uh, but for now, I will hand over the floor to Chris. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and I truly appreciate uh, addressing your audience. Uh, every episode, I always keep my word, it always gets better because Rosette Delacroix is the number one in the world today. And I'm an expert level, both analyst and researcher, both prior military and senior defense analyst. The point is, she has decoded everything that you'll ever need to know in life. So let's go forward. This is uh, part six. We've done part one through five. This is called Flat Earth Decoded, North Pole, Noah, and the True Location of the Garden of Eden, part six. Rosette wrote this on September 3rd, 2017. So we'll go forward, um, and you will be able to see through Jeff's extraneous effort that he posts all this work on the site he developed for us, which is uh, right on underscore you for university, and you will be able to read these as Actually, well. Chris, okay, me, here we are. You real quick, it's right on with the letter U, so R-I-G-H-T-O-N-U, dot com, and then you go to military analyst, and anything you put in there actually does go to support the military analyst because they've screwed him out of his pension and everything because he's a whistleblower. Sorry to always include that, but I just want people to know it's real Chris and, uh, and the three essays uh, for today have been loaded up there uh, currently with all the pictures so they can follow along and the pictures are stunning this time over to you. Okay. And audience, I want you to understand that Jeff always keeps his word. Unlike another show I'm on in the United States, I won't mention names, but I'll be coming over to this permanently uh, and leaving another show. I'll leave that in the past, but keep in mind that he always keeps his word. He is extremely proficient, and that work is always done, and he works as many hours as I do, 12 to 16 hours a day. Okay, going forward, this is part six. So Rosette says, so let's continue where we left off in part five. With Eden, E-D-N, being located at the North Pole, and Eden, Scotland, which is Edinburgh, Scotland, being the location, meaning the true location of Jerusalem. This is a fact, and this is exactly what the deep state, the cabal, the Illuminati do not want the general public, that's you, to know this. The name Edinburgh, which is E-D-I-N in capitals, and then B-U-R-G, is actually two words. 
In itself, it gives us clues to a tie to Eden, E-D-N, just as some nearby places such as, we're going to go over some words here, these are countries, Sweden, take uh, S-W in small letters, E-D-E-N, it's telling you right there, it's southwest of Eden. The next country, Norway, N-O-R, and then the second word, W-A-Y, is Northway, the way of the north. Finland, which is F-I-N, and then capital L-A-N-D, Finn means, translates into end, E-N-D. So land's end, or land's Eden. The Netherlands, where I grew up, uh, that's nether and land's. Nether means end, E-N-D. So another variation of land's end. So you have land's end, then you have Denmark. Denmark is Eden-mark, from E-D-E-N versus D-E-N, it's just missing the letter E, or Eden Land. And then you have the country Poland, and that is actually a, sh a contraction of what is known as Pole, P-O-L-E in capitals, and then Land, L-A-N-D. Land of the North Pole. These give us the clues as well. And then it shows the map of uh, Northern Europe. Edinburgh, <coughs> Edinburgh Berg in, is Germanic, and it means mountain. That's spelled B-U-R-G. So a mountain of Eden. And then you also have, there is a, what is known as, uh, uh, the other aspect of it is that, um, excuse me, um, that uh, with, a, it's also called Arthur's seat. Now this refers to King Arthur, okay? He is a direct bloodline of Christ. That is a fact. And that's why they wanted him eliminated. As the Catholic Church and the Zionist Jewish cabal have been eliminating any semblance and relation and bloodline of Christ. Okay, so what you need to know is that, and it looks similar to the mountains of olives just outside of Jerusalem in Israel. Could Arthur's seat be just outside the real Jerusalem located at the North Pole? There are pictures throughout this whole episode. And yes, Arthur refers to the historic King Arthur. The beloved king of the Welsh, understand audience that the Welsh, which are from Wales, Wales has never been part of Great Britain. It was conquered, but it was not assimilated. They have their own language, their own culture, uh, and they are absolutely distinct. They do not consider, the Welsh people do not consider themselves British. British is the imperial empire which has taken over the world. Okay, onward. So... What it is is that the um, King Arthur was a Christian king who named his uh, son Noe. That's N-O-W-I. That is the Welsh variation of Noah, N-O-A-H, and has the constellation named after him as well. That includes the North Star, which is absolutely immovable. It is known as Polaris. It is directly over your head. You can see it every night on a clear night. So... We have Arthur and his 12 knights. Jesus and his 12 disciples is the equivalent. So the, this mountain symbolically could represent Jesus' seat, not just Arthur's or King Arthur's seat, the place he ascends to heaven, H-E-A-V-E-N. If Arthur was bad, why do the ruling elite not only try to erase his history, but the history of a beloved Christian king? but to usurp it, saying that they are the royalty of Wales. William, the Prince of Wales, for example, when he actually, when in actuality, they are Jewish. I've known this for decades. 
and I'll explain that another time. In part five, we alluded to Edinburgh being the actual place where Adam and Eve went <clears throat> to when they got expelled from Eden, E-D-E-N. But from the new information we will share with you, that this seems to be not the case. Yet, Edinburgh is still a special place, possibly being the place where Jesus descends from heaven. If the North Pole actually sank below the seas, then the closest mount for Jesus to descend to uh, would actually be Arthur's seat or Jesus's seat. Seat meaning throne. That's very important. T-H-R-O-N-E. She is basically showing that life is that symbols and signs rule this world, not laws or words. And that was stated by Confucius and several other philosophers over the countless ages. Now you see pictures of Scotland. We are told that Jesus ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, adding to Jerusalem on the east. However, if Jerusalem is not where they tell us, then it would have been from this Mount of Olives that he ascended. If Jerusalem is in the navel of the earth, then it would be a proximity to there, which makes Arthur's seat a more likely candidate. We are told it is the same mountain where his feet will stand when he returns to Jerusalem to establish his throne. That will be Edinburgh, Scotland. Fact. Okay, understand, this. Uh, she is highly spiritual. Uh, she quotes Zechariah 14, colon 4. On the day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half of the mountain moving south. End of quote. From the research I have uncovered, it appears that Eden at the North Pole is actually Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not in Israel. And when Adam and Eve were expelled from Eden, they were sent much further away. She quotes again Hebrews 12, colon 21-24. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, but ye are come unto Mount Sion, that's S-I-O-N, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the just <clears throat> make perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than the blood of Abel. Okay, you all know who um, Cain and Abel were. I then mentioned in part six that I believe that the much further away was, meaning when it was referenced, the much further away, was Hawaii in the being the home of Adam and Eve after they were kicked out of Eden. So the public needs to understand there is Eden, which did exist, but there was also the Garden of Eden. That was not the same location. I'm going further and explaining it. So their home east of Eden, however, like Edinburgh, I think was close. It is nearby, but not the actual place. We will discuss the actual place in just a moment. A side note, I ended up scrap, scrapping my former part six altogether, and I am just rewriting it here. We learn through our errors, and she does correct her errors when she makes a slight error, and she always admits when she does create a fault. I respect her for that.
always. You are welcome to ask me any questions about the former Part 6 in the comments, and I will address them here. Now she's showing a picture of Hawaii before she showed basically um, the uh, part of uh, Scotland and Edinburgh. So uh, going forward is that I then mentioned in Part 6, as I just stated, that it was much further away. So from here, um, she's correcting herself and stating that we learned through our errors and I made several within, but I'm correcting them now and I'm on track. You're welcome to ask me any questions about the former part six in the comments and I will address them uh, to you. First, let us look at how Noah divided the entire whole earth and that's W-H-O-L-E. And that is among his three sons. The three sons Noah had was named Shem, S-H-E-M, Ham, H-A-M, and Japhet, J-A-P-H-E-T. This information is from a YouTube channel called The God Culture. I highly recommend all of their presentations. They really know their material work and in parentheses, true biblical history, and it dispels so many inconsistencies with what has been taught in the mainstream regarding the true Bible. It is really a breath of fresh air and resonates with truth and logic, and above all, it is based on scripture, which is exciting for me as it coincides with what I have learned so far and releases that may I made in my Flat Earth series, number one through five. All right, further. Now the Book of Jubilees is an extra canonical text. It is also known as Little Jesus, or Genesis, excuse me. Uh, not because it is a shortened version than Genesis itself, but rather is just less known. Why do the megachurches try to steer people away from reading it? Because perhaps they will discover the truth about our world, perhaps. And these churches are really governed by the controllers? <laughs> Definitely. For the moment, but not forever. Okay, she quotes again, Jubilees 8, 18-20. And Noah rejoiced that this portion came forth from Shem and his sons. And he remembered all that he had spoken with his mouth in prophecy. For he had said, quote, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and may the Lord dwell in the dwelling of Shem. End of quote. And he knew that the Garden of Eden is the holiest of holies and the dwelling of the Lord. And Mount Sinai, and that's S-I-N-A-I, in the center of the desert. And Mount Zion, Z-I-O-N, is uh, the center of... On, of the navel of the earth, these three were created as holy places facing each other. And he blessed the God of gods who had put the word of the Lord into his mouth and the Lord forevermore. End of quote. The navel is a center just like the center of our bodies, our belly buttons. See how Israel is nowhere near the center, not even close. And she shows a picture of where Israel is and basically in reference to uh, what you would call a flat earth circular version. Okay, so the navel or belly button is a center of gravity of the body. And that is correct. The promised land of Israel was only a tiny portion of all the land promised to Shem from Noah forevermore. It doesn't make Israel lay, <coughs> excuse me, any more special than the rest of Shem's territories. It was just a portion that was Shem's Canaan, 
that was taken by the descendants of Ham's unjustly, the promised land, because it was Shem's that the Canaanites descended of Ham and stole from the, this is a word I have difficulty pronouncing, A-R-P-A-C-H-S-H-A-D. That would, uh, Parshad, okay? Then she quotes again in Jubilees 10, colon 30-32. And Ham, his father, and Cush, C-U-S-H, and Mizram, and that's M-I-Z-R-A-I-M, his brother said unto him, quote, Thou hast settled in a land which is not thine, and which did not fall to us by lot. Do not so do so. Do not do so. For if thou dost do so, thou and thy sons will fall in the land and be accursed through sedition. For the, by sedition, yet we have settled, and by sedition with thy children fall, and thou shalt be rooted out forever. Dwell not in the dwelling of Shem. For to Shem and his seed did it not come by their lot. Cursed art thou, and cursed shall be thou, be beyond all the sons of Noah. But the curse by which we bound ourselves, by an oath in the presence of the holy judge, and in the presence of Noah our father. So they're pointing out that, she's pointing out that it is impossible, it is inconceivable that where Israel, which it was uh, Palestine, was relocated after the uh, uh, these British and Scottish Isles, specifically Scotland, that it it could not have been where it is today. Okay, the Zionists want us to believe that this is the navel of the earth, where they where basically Israel today. This is a special place when it is not. Watch the clip. Look how excited this Zionist Jew is of having the nation of Israel created by this Zionist Jew, Jacob Rothschild. You should know that name very well. I've done many lectures on the Rothschild dynasty. He speaks of it in here. There is no denying that Israel was created for the synagogue of Satan. And what people don't understand, which I'll add to this, is that we have in the Christian faith, we have what is known as churches. In the uh, Zionist sect of the Jewish faith, predominantly not the devout uh, reform, conservative, and orthodox, which I studied and got certified in, the point is that their name is synagogue. Take the first three letters, sin, and that should tell you a good example of how the Talmudic Zionist Jews have altered history and life itself. This is not the true location of God's Jerusalem. On a side note, notice how in the clip, the Balfour Agreement, which was created in World War before uh, prior to uh, World War One, is that uh, it states that the Arabs who were already living there are not to be harmed. That didn't happen. And yet, what is happening to this very day in Palestine? The um, prime ministers, or what you would call presidents of Israel, from uh, Ben Gurion all the way to uh, Netanyahu. They have been literally annihilating all of the Palestinians. They have taken over their land, and they are pure Zionist evil. So you have to understand, Palestinians, unknown to the public, which I've researched, is that they are a direct bloodline of the Israelis, or what you would call combined as the Palestinians. Okay, so you need to know that how are these Zionist gods chosen people? They are not unless they are referring to their God, which is Lucifer. 
Okay, I have the link for uh, Jacob Rothschild where he speaks about my family created Israel. That is correct, but it is pure evil. You can get this from Jeff's site. Here is Jacob Rothschild as Mr. Burns in the cartoon series, uh, Burning in Hell, on The Simpsons. And it's Simpson. The spelling of Simpson, the public needs to know, is the number when you take the letters and use gematria from letters to numbers. It represents 33 in, numer- in numer- numerology. Masons are a part of the Jewish cabal, which I've known and I exploit uh, the truth. Notice that he is doing what is known as the diamond with his hand. Diamond is a symbol for Lucifer. It's one of the 10 most common that are used in Hollywood, in public, with celebrities, as well as politicians and beyond, even religious factors. And he is touching the three fingers of his left hand to the three fingers of his right hand. Uh, that is the code for 33 again, three fingers and three fingers. The sticking out of the tongue is a mockery of God. That's known as the Kali. And now uh, she quotes again, is Isaiah 57, colon 4. Against whom do ye sport thy yourselves? Against whom make ye a wide mouth and draw out the tongue? And are ye not children of transgression? a seed of falsehood, and so it shows the cartoon figures uh, as mentioned. Jerusalem is located at Eden, okay, the true Jerusalem, which is located at the navel of the earth. And understand what I stated before, audience, is that earth, when you uh, substitute the letters, not an anagram, but it, it, it can apply to one, is that earth is also... The same letters which spelled heart, H-E-R-T. And where is our heart located? It is located in the upper portion, and it is what is the primary organ of our human life. So, onward, where is the portal to heaven is located? Israel is not the navel of the earth, no matter how you look at it. And notice it is located in the area on the 33-degree parallel. That's Masonic, audience. Understand this. Jerusalem's location at the exact center is... 31 degrees by 4700 north by 35 degrees, which is 13 uh, degrees 00 east. When we add the numbers together, we get 666. That is Jeru- that is Lucifer's Jerusalem, she would say. And when I've already done this, so you can see the mathematics to it. When you add it together, it becomes 666. That is absolutely Luciferian. Notice with a picture of the Temple Mount, the dome in uh, Jerusalem today, what we believe is Jerusalem. Notice that the north is a center. So in the Bible, it mentions the sides of the north because the north is in the center. Now she quotes Psalm 48, colon 2. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, Z-I-O-N. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And Mount Zion is in the center of the north. Out of the north is south. West is a clockwise direction and east is a counterclockwise direction. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. It travels clockwise across the earth. And this makes sense because if it rose in the north and it set in the south, it wouldn't traverse the whole plain, only a tiny part of it and a tiny path. Now, why the sun doesn't appear to go in a circular path over our heads? I can't explain, but a straight path on a regular map doesn't make any sense either. You can't miracle, quotation, from Hawaii at one end of the map 
to Japan at the other end, no matter where it is mentioned in the Bible about some sort of a, quote, portal to get from one to the other. Therefore, it isn't one. The only portal would be the gateway to heaven located at our true North Pole. And she shows a map of uh, basically a circular flat earth and that she elaborates on the true point of north and where heaven is located directly above. So the God culture goes through the book of Jubilees and explains how the entire path, the entire earth was divided among Noah's three sons. We can see from their map that the navel, also known as Eden, was also given to Shem, S-H-E-M. He also received all of what is presently known as Asia today, A-S-I-A, which is the Russian portion to the Ural Mountains on the west, including Turkey and Israel besides Saudi Arabia, then <coughs> excuse me, east to India and Malaysia, China, Japan, and the Philippines. Excuse me, I've got to close my door so I don't disturb my wife. Okay, sorry for the interruption. All right. And note that Europe is really not a separate continent, yet named as such. Why? Because it differentiates from the, from the land, meaning from Shem's land. From the map, we can see that Ham, H-A-M, received Africa, Australia, and New Zealand, as well as Central and South America and Antarctica. Japheth, that's J-A-P-H-E-T-H, he received Europe and North America when Noah divided the lands between his three sons. Notice that all these lands were given to each son forevermore, which means forever. So if someone from the tribe of Japheth would wanted uh, to say land in South America, that would be a forbidden. If Ham wanted land in Israel, that would also be impossible. So if a portion of the tribe of Shem known as the Zionist Jews, took over all the countries of Europe and North America like they have already done, will there be repercussions? Of course there will be. That land is supposed to be Yafetz for how long? That time frame is forever. What about the redistribution throughout Europe's forced immigrations? Portions of this tribe of Shem being forced to move to Europe, uh, the tribe of Yafet or tribe of Ham, orchestrated by the Zionists from Central and South America into the U.S. land of Japheth, we can see the corruption of God's promised lands by Lucifer himself. And the promised land is, again, all the land promised to Noah's three sons and distributed as mentioned, not just the portion called Israel. Then she shows a map of... Uh, how the uh, territory is broken up between Yafet's territory, Shem's territory, and Ham's territory. Speaking of Shem's territory, she quotes Jubilees 8, colon 16, and it extends toward the east till it reaches the Garden of Eden to the south thereof, and from the east of the whole land of Eden and of the whole east. It turns to the east and proceeds till it reaches the east of the mountain named Rafa, that is R-A-F-A, and it descends to the bank of the mouth of the river Tina, T-I-N-A. I know you are curious where, quote, till it reaches the Garden of Eden. Note, Eden is at the North Pole, 
whereas the Garden of Eden is in a completely separate place. We'll discuss that point shortly. And she quotes Jubilees, uh, which I just referenced, and also the map of the, the distribution of Noah's to land distributed, uh, signed to each of his three children. We know that East of Eden is the Orient, okay, and that's O-R-I-E-N-T as in orientation, because Orient means, translated, it means East, E-A-S-T. And Shem is found where? In Asia. So Shem, if you take the word S-H-E-M, put parentheses around S-H-E and leave the, the M at the outside of the parentheses, equals Asia. If you take the letter Asia, A-S-I-A, and you take capital A, make parentheses around S-H-E, parentheses, and then the letter A. This is showing you how uh, gematria as well as uh, phonetics and um, homonics works. So Shem is also Shem, S-H-E hyphen A-M. Otherwise, what is known as Siam, S-I-A-M. And Shemites are Semites, okay? So that's S-H-E-M-I-T-E-S are also Semites, which are S-E-M-I-T-E-S. So Semites are not just Jewish people, but all people descended from Shem, meaning the son of Noah. So then she shows a picture of uh, a cartoon of children of, of the world, of different cultures and languages. And we know that there are already holy places were created long before Israel ever existed. There were already holy places in the days of Noah. And Noah never mentions Israel by name ever in the mapping of the earth. Remember that. That was created by the Zionist Jewish Cabal. Now she quotes Jubilees, which is 8, colon 16. And he knew that the Garden of Eden is the Holy of Holiest, and that the dwelling of the Lord and Mount Sion, S-I-N-A-I, the center of the desert, and the Mount Zion, Z-I-O-N, the center of the navel of the earth, colon, these three were created as holy places, Facing each other. That is important to understand. They must be facing, and they're not today, but what we've been taught. And the three holy places faced each other, which formed a triangle. So, she goes on to quote that Jubilees 8.16 continues, And he knew that a blessed portion and a blessing had come to Shem and his sons unto the generations forever, the whole whole land of Eden, E-D-E-N, and the whole land of the Red Sea, R-E-D-S-E-A, and the whole land of the East, E-A-S-T. So those are the quotes that I have read. Now, Eden was submerged by the flood. God willed this since it was being defied by the pagan gods. That is where the Atlanteans established an outpost for a short duration. Okay, now, the God's culture shows the flooded region of Eden. The shape appears to be like a heart, which is interesting. In my Flat Earth Decoded Part 2, the North Pole, uh, the biggest secret proof of Eden, I thought that the unsunken Eden also looked like the shape of a heart. Uh, whether sunk or above water, the North Pole region is still shaped like a human heart today. In addition, the Mercator map of Gerard Mercator, who is Dutch, um, version shows the contour is strikingly similar to the tropical hibiscus flower. Audience, this is very, very important, as you'll learn in a moment, which is the state flower of Hawaii. It is essentially the tropical version of Jesus's 
red rose, which also grew in the Philippines and is called Gumela, which is G-U-M-A-M-E-L-A, there, and originated from the Greek word hibiscos, and that was H-I-B-I-S-K-O-S. Then she shows a map of uh, Gerard McCater's, when he did travel to the to the North Pole in the late mid to late 1500s, and he drew a map of the lands and the fresh water dividing the four as well as the tower at the center. They do exist. Now, it is interesting that Catherine of Russia heard about the land of the North, meaning North Pole, by the Masons, of course. She organized two expeditions, the first of which sailed on May 14th, 1764, to find the elixir of life, which is known as uh, the Philosopher's Stone in many in, uh, the Harry Potter's books. Anyway, uh, from what she, uh, she was told, the people of Hyboria live to be 1,000 years old. We will also live that when we cross into the fifth dimensional plane, which I'll be discussing in the future. The people of Hyboria were the people of the North Pole. Remember, Noah lived to 950 years old, and Adam and Eve both lived to 930 years old. This is not a coincidence. Notice she has a hibiscus flower on her dress. We're talking about Catherine II, which is known as Catherine the Great. All right. So notice she has the hibiscus flower on her dress. And what did we say that the hibiscus flower represents? It represents Eden, E-D-E-N, of course, and its connection to east of Eden, where Adam and Eve were sent, being a tropical paradise. Now, notice that, so with the Mercator's version, above water, or the God's culture's version, submerged, you can see how simply they are. The four islands, the four indrawing seas of rivers or ocean rifts. But you need to understand, in that photo, in that painting, rather, of uh, Catherine the Great, the second of Russia, she is pointing at, with her hand, to the flower pinned on her chest above her uh, left breast. And what that is signifying, that she was an adept. She knew the truth about the North Pole, of there being land, as well as uh, water into inner earth, as well as uh, uh, different uh, species of humans that lived to 1,000 years of age. Okay, so... Uh, she quotes again the book of Enoch, 26 colon, uh, uh, sorry, uh, 26 colon 1 uh, dash 2. And from there I went to the middle of the earth and saw a blessed welled watered place which had branches which remained alive and sprouted from a tree which had been cut down. And there I saw a holy mountain and under the mountain to the east of it there was water and it flowed toward the south. Naturally it would flow south because the blessed place was in the middle of the earth, which is the North Pole today. And she shows a picture of that. Then she also shows a picture of what we think of as the Garden of Eden with all the animals, that they live in peace. She quotes, in Isaiah 14, 12-14, it mentions the sides of the North of Eden. But notice what else. How art thou fallen, uh, fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations. For thou hast said, In thine heart I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Here in my NIV version, okay, how could you have fallen from heaven? Morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low of nations, exclamation. They took out the name Lucifer and placed the description to identify Jesus as the morning star. How have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn? Jesus is not Lucifer and Israel is not Jerusalem. Then it shows a picture of uh, Lucifer falling from grace from heaven. Here is even in other cultures. In India, they call it Mount Meru, and Meru is M-E-R-U. Quote, all heavenly bodies remove, revolve around Meru. The polar star hangs over it motionlessly. While Cassiopeia, and that's C-A-S-S-I-O-P-E-I-A, and Boots, which is B-O-O-T-E-S, circle around it together with the Big Dipper. To the north of the Milky Ocean, there is a big island known as Sibta, which is S-I-V-E-T-A, Villa, and that's D-V-I-L-A. This is coming from uh, East Indian. The Radiant White Island. And that shows a picture of uh, the East Indian drawing. In China, there is a following record in one of the ancient texts. The one who would go up from Kulan, which is K-U-N-L-U-N, Kulan, as high was reached the mountains of cold wind and gain immortality. The one who would go up twice as high will reach the hanging ground and gain miraculous abilities, having learned to manage the wind and the rain. The one who would go up twice as high will reach heaven, the abode of Tai D, which is T-A-I, capital D-I, the Supreme Lords, and become a spirit. So then it shows a picture of of basically the, the mountains of Tibet, it says, in Muslim countries, they describe the world mountain in their text in a quite interesting, though a bit camouflaged way. Firstly, Islamic myths mention that Allah, A-L-L-A-H, created a huge Mount Of, Q-A-F, which encircled the populated world and firmly supported the universe. And then she goes on to say that uh, a picture of that. In the ancient Greek myths, which I've studied, the home of the gods was Mount Olympus, where Zeus, Z-E-U-S, the thunderer, resided and shows a picture of uh, Zeus on the clouds. From the god culture and the Altai, and that's A-L-T-I, Tatars, and that, that is the Tartars that we know today, which is actually Mongolia, T-A-T-A-R-S, imagine Bay Ulgen, which is B-A-Y-U-L-G-E-N, sitting amidst the heaven on a golden mountain. And that is known as the Abakan, A-B-A-K-A-N, Tartars, T-A-T-A-R-S. Call it the Iron Mountain, which in, translates into ruler of the Iron Throne. Is John Snow hearing this? The Mongols, which are, uh, that is one race, the Buryats, which is B-U-R-Y-A-T-S, and the Kalmets, which is K-A-L-M-Y-K-S, know it as what is known as Sumbur, which is S-U-M-B-U-R. The second is Sumar, S-U-M-U-R, which is also known as Sumuro, which is S-U-M-E-R-U. Its top rests against the pole star. The navel of the heaven, the Birat says that the pole star 
is attached to the mountain top. We continue onward. So all these cultures were speaking of Mount Zion, that being Z-I-O-N, located at the North Pole. Now remember, we had two other holy sites that completed the triangle or the trilogy. The second is Mount Sinai, and that's S-I-N-A-I. She quotes Jubilee 8, colon 18-20. And the Mount Sinai, the center of the desert. Okay. But isn't it, where, where would they like us to believe either? It is not actually on the Sinai Peninsula, uh, but across from it in Saudi Arabia. She quotes Exodus 3, colon 1-2. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, which is M-I-D-I-A-N, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, H-O-R-E-B. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and beheld the bush uh, burned with fire. The bush was not consumed. So Mount Sinai equals Horeb, H-O-R-E-B. That's apparent. Um, she states, you can go to the God culture for detailed information as to why this is the true location of Mount Sinai. They do have compelling evidence and which is based on scriptures. And then we look and we show that. So here we have located Mount Zion at the North Pole, which is also the home of the heavenly Jerusalem and Eden. And we have located Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. Now let's look at for the third holy place. Remember, this is a triangle, a trilogy, where Adam and Eve were exiled to when they were expelled from Eden. They were ex they were exiled east of Eden and were in Shem's territory in the Orient. Remember, Orient translates audience into the word East, E-A-S-T. So we go forward and we say, so we collect more clues with the story of the Queen of Sheba. She was actually known at that time as Saba, which is S-A-B-A, but that's fine. Um, and her visit to King Solomon. Now she quotes 1 Kings 10, colon 1. And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the famed of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. 10-13. And she gave the king 120 talents, and that's T-A-L-E-N-T-S, of gold. So that's uh, quantities of gold. And of spices, a very great store, meaning pre and also precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And the navy of Hiram, H-I-R-A-M, that brought gold from Ophir, brought it in from Ophir, great plenty of Almug, A-L-M-U-G, trees and precious stones. And the king made of the Almug tree pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatever she asked, besides that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. End of quote. It was a three-year journey home for her. She lived at the end of the earth, not Yemen and not Ethiopia. Now, originally, <clears throat> not originally, she probably looked something more like this. And he, she has a picture of uh, a woman basically dressed in ancient clothes um, as a representation. Now she quotes... 2 Chronicles 9, colon 21.
For the king's ships, those being Solomon's, went to Tarish, that's T-A-R-S-H-I-S-H, with the servants of Huram, and that is actually, even though it's H-U-R-A-M, we know it as H-I-R-A-M, Hiram. Every three years, once came the ships of Tarish, bringing gold, silvery, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Tarish was the Greek name for the islands of the Philippines. Notice on the Turin world map of 1160 BC. Oh, Chris, you cut out there. Are you still there? I can see your microphone is on, but I cannot hear you all of a sudden. Okay, your mic, your mic is muted. There you go. You should be back. Well, what happened is I get all these junk phone calls, these scams, and it happens. I get probably 20 a day, and it just never quits. I've got to find a, a program where you can download it and put it onto your phone where you, it'll automatically delete them anyway or, or block them. Okay, onward. Sorry about that, audience. Okay. So what I was saying is that Tarnish was the Greek name for the islands of the Philippines. This is fact. Notice on the Turin world map of 1160 BC, it depicts the Asian islands, uh, the home of Adam and Eve. Adam was the Isle of Argyle, which is A-R-G-Y-L-E, over his head, which is silver, and Eve with the Isle of uh, Cyrus, which is C-H-R-Y-S-E, over her head, which is gold. So you have silver and gold. It should be reversed, though, for gold for Adam and silver for Eve. And she shows a, a diagram of this, and uh, Jesus said in Matthew 12, colon 41-42, the men of Nevea, which is N-I-N-E-V-E-H, shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preachings of Jonas, J-O-N-A-S. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So that's referring to the queen of the south is Sheba. So originally Sheba was in the Philippines, not in Yemen or Ethiopia today. That came later. Anyway, the queen of the south is Sheba, and the outermost parts of the earth are the extremity, the boundaries, the end, the frontier, the ends of the earth, and the, the remotest islands. I just want the audience to notice that very carefully, is that with that translation, excuse me, <coughs> from Greek, that's 1160 BC. The point is not only has history all been um, rewritten, but so has the fact that maps existed thousands upon thousands of years before, and the earth was already known. And the point being is that it was from the Greeks that they already knew the Philippines existed. So it proves to the audience that they were great sailors going back thousands of years B.C. and not what we've been taught today because they knew that the Philippines existed and supposedly we didn't know until Columbus and world maps in the 13 to the 1700s. But that is utterly a lie. Okay, so that is a proven point. We go forward. Okay, at this point, (coughs) <coughs> i got to get a sip of water. Anyway, um, at this point, I was still thinking Hawaii could be the location because Hawaii is the remotest part of the earth. Farthest away from any other landmass, 
But if this was the location, it wouldn't make the three facing sides, as stated in Jubilees, about the, quote, three holy places. So she revised it and came up with the correct answer, which you'll know in a moment. In Genesis 10, colon 26-30, we add more clues. And Jokan, that's J-O-K-T-A-N, begat Almut, which is A-L-M-O-D-A-D, and Shevlep, which is S-H-E-L-E-P-H, and Hazamereth, which is H-A-Z-A-M-E-R-T-H, and Jerat, which is J-E-R-A-H, and there are a few more. There's a lot, but it's Hadram, which is H-A-D-O-R-A-M, and Uzal, which is H-U-Z-A-L, uh, and then we have D-I-K. L-A-H, Dikla, and then Obal, O-B-A-L. And the uh, last two are Abamal, which is I-B-A-B-I-M-A-E-L, and Sheba. And then you also have Ophir, which I've said, which is O-P-H-I-R, as well as Havile, which is H-A-V-I-L-A-H. And last being Yokab, which is J-O-B-A-B. All of these were the sons of Jokan, which I spelled J-O-K-T-A-N. And their dwelling was from Mesha, which is M-E-S-H. As thou goest unto Sephar, S-E-P-H-A-R, a mount of the east. So it's all telling you that the Garden of Eden isn't where we were taught. And it certainly wasn't the Middle East. It was in the southeast, which is the Philippines. Now, Peleg was P-E-L-E-G, headed west, and Yokan, J-O-K-T-A-N, and his sons, which were Sheba, Ophir, and Havila, headed east. So we have one group heading to the west and one group heading to the east. And she shows a map of that. And then she quotes Genesis 10, Table of Nations. Shem, as well as Erparshad, which is A-R-P-A-C-H-S-H-A-D. Salah, which is S-A-L-A-H. And Eber, E-B-R, where Hebrew comes from. You have Peleg and Yoktan separated at Mesha, which is M-E-S-A-H. That's where they deviated. So she goes on to state that Jubilees 8, colon 22, and for Ham came forth the second portion beyond the Gilan, which is G-I-H-O-N, toward the south to the right of the garden, referencing the Garden of Eden. Jubilees 8, uh, colon 13, speaking of Shem's inheritance, and it extends toward the east, Till it reaches the Garden of Eden. So it's very obvious that the Garden of Eden was actually located in the Philippines originally, not where we believe it today. Jubilees 822, and it extends to the mountains of fire. Now, what do we know about the Pacific Rim? That is your rim of fire that goes around the entire Pacific Rim, all the way from the south, from Australia, all the way up to the, the islands of Indonesia, Malaysia, Indochina, uh, uh, to, um, um, north to Japan and then comes down around from Alaska all the way to the central to Mexico uh, and then down to uh, basically Santiago, Chile during the entire West Coast. That is the rim of fire. Okay, onward. The mountains of fire is a lands of Indonesia where they originally, where there are more volcanoes clustered than anywhere else on earth. That is correct. But the true ring of fire, which we know today, is what I described. But this is the original mount of fire, which is the land of Indonesia. And I'll get to later where Indonesia is actually 
one of the other locations of where Atlantis was. And that was proven by a Brazilian uh, who had two doctorates and he studied it for the remainder of his life. And he did an incredible essay and I have it. So it has not disappeared off the Internet. I found it about 10 years ago. All right. Jubilees 829. This is the land which came forth for Japheth and his sons as a portion of his inheritance, which shall possess for himself and his sons for their generations forever. Five great islands and a great land in the north. So the five on the top 10 largest islands in the world audience are number one, Great Britain, number two, Greenland, number three, Baffin Island, Canada, number four is Ellesmere Island, Canada, and number five, Victoria Island, Canada. All right. Jubilees 830, she quotes, but it is cold, Yafit's land, and the land of Ham is hot, and the land of Shem is neither hot nor cold, but it is a blend of cold and heat. These are the answers to life that we've overlooked. So basically she's showing that Yafit's territory is cold by her map drawn. Shem's ter- territory is blended and then Ham's territory is hot near the equator. So we can clearly see that the lands of Shem, Ham and Japhet, uh by the map. And we know that Noah lived in the land where he later gave to Shem. And we know that Jokon's three sons, descendants of Shem, went east to the islands at the ends of the earth, meaning the exterior. The, uh, exterior. And we know that his three sons, Sheba, Ophir, and Havia, dwelt there. The islands of Ophir, where the queen of Sheba lived, was a land rich in gold, silver, spices, apes, and peacocks. Now, the land of the Philippines is the only isles in the area rich in all of these elements. And the Philippine city of Cebu, C-E-B-U, is a variant spelling of Shebu, which is S-H-E-B-U, or Sheba, S-H-E-B-A. And Sheba means oath, as in O-A-T-H, as in your oath to the creator. The queen of Sheba made an oath to travel three years to the kingdom of Solomon to learn more about gold. Sheba also means the number seven. And there are 7,000 islands that make up the lands of the Philippines. And this country was known all over the Southeast Asia as the land of gold, the Golden Isles. When Magellan first sailed there, he remarked that the gold was so plentiful that you could scoop it up pieces of gold as big as eggs right out of the sand. Gold was so common that it was worn in fine jewelry, not by the royalty alone, but by every one of the common people itself. And then it shows that it was dated that uh, uh, in 1595, there's a book depicting early Filipinos in the 16th century as they came in contact with the Spaniards and they wore gold. Noah came, built the ark in a place up high because he knew the floodwaters were coming. This is a gently sloping mountain in the Philippines on the main island of Luzon, and that's L-U-Z-O-N, called Mount Ariat, A-R-A-Y-A-T. Notice how close it is to the spelling of Mount Ariat, which is A-R-A-T, Turkey, where the ark supposedly landed. But we think Mount Ariat is not the true place where the ark landed, and Mount Ariat is the true place where it was built in the Philippines. Then we go forward, and she shows a picture of it, so you can see this gigantic mountain with green, uh, lush slopes. 
uh, for vegetation. I can personally attest to the general slopes of Mount Ariat because I actually lived right across from it for many years when my father was stationed at Clark Air Force Base. We actually went to the national park that is located on one of its gently sloping sides. They have a picnic area and a water park there. We played in the waters, my sister and I, we were even hiking up the trails toward the summit of the mountain. I am stunned to know that I lived across in the place that Noah built his ark and that I honor it to walk up it then. And then she shows a picture of a, a famous tree there as well as a uh, part of a uh, national park. Noah built the ark here because the mountain is 33,000 feet high. Notice the number 33. High enough for the floodwaters uh, when they came, it would gently lift the ark up. Also, the floodwaters were released by the rains and the rifts in the great ocean encircling the earth, spewing forth from water volcanoes known as hydrothermic vents on the ocean floor. And Ariat is a Hebrew word, Jeff, and it means earth covered. The ark was built here, okay? And she's referring to Ariat meaning in the Philippines, not Ariat in the Middle East. Now, the water level rose much higher than 33,000 feet, but after many months, it finally subsided enough for the tallest peak to be exposed, and this is where the ark came to rest, the tallest peak on Mount Everest in the Himalayas of Nepal, not Mount Ariat in Turkey. And Noah mentioned a bunch of smaller peaks nearby, and Mount Ariat is not part of a mountain chain. It stands with only one smaller peak, so it could not be in Turkey, as we've been taught to believe. So, Genesis 18, I'm sorry, 8, colon 15-17, And God spoke unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing, that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and may be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. End of quote. So in Genesis 1, she points out that, quote, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Noah was a righteous man and was perfect in his generation, meaning he had good DNA. And with it, God granted and wanted man to start anew. And he was not worried about overpopulation like what is being pushed upon us now. And by the way, audience, we do have the technology to create for our 7 billion people on this planet. We have the technology. I've had access to beyond top secret and you will never learn about it. It will never be shared. But we have the capabilities to feed all the people on this earth and treat them all equal. But that is never going to happen with the ruling cabal today. So another aspect that links the Philippines as the home of the Garden of Eden and the land of Ophir is Isaiah 40, 30-41. Quoted, but they wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with the wings of, as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up this righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, 
gave the nations before him and made him rule over kings? Question mark. He gave them as the dust to his sword and as driven stubble, meaning S-T-U-B-B-L-E, to his bow. There are no islands in Israel, audience, but there are in the Philippines. There are 7,000 of them. This is why we have been buffaloed about lied forever. The Philippines land was taken over by the Spaniards, and the Spaniards brought Catholicism with them. Before the Spaniards, the Queen of Sheba worshipped the God of Solomon. With the Spaniards, they brought idol worship, a direct violation of God's second commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. That is a fact. Next, we have, she quotes, Matthew 12, 46-50. While he have yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak to him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? Question mark. And who is my brethren? Question mark. And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren, exclamation, for whoever shall do thy will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus is telling that Mary is not a God. She is human like the rest of us and is not to be worshipped. That's a much longer explanation. I will not go into it now. But I will give you the narrator of the God culture mentioned on a recent trip to the Philippines where he took this photo. Notice how this, it shows a picture of uh, Mother Mary. Notice how the second commandment is completely removed. It is not stated anywhere near it. Okay, To the cover up this fact, they split the 10th commandment into two portions. And the public is not aware of this and made them the 9th and the 10th. See how sneaky the Jesuits are? The second commandment has been removed by Catholicism worldwide. This is a fact, Jeff. So we go forward, but we were warned about this generation in Matthew 12, 43-45. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taken with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, comma, and they enter in and dwell there, semicolon. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. And then he goes on and basically uh, she puts something wicked this way comes. And she's quoting earlier uh, in our history, but more recently in the 19th century. Anyway, notice, too, that nowhere does the Bible mention the Tigris and the Euphrates River by name. Notice in Genesis 3.10, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The mighty river conceded, uh, coincides rather with the world's underwater ridges. Okay. Now she shows a picture of how the, uh, water circles the earth and, uh, adheres to continents in certain locations, but also mountain ridges. The water in 
rivers always flows downhill. So the river from Eden is the high point. From there, it flows downward to the Atlantic Ocean, then to the Indian Ocean, and finally to the Pacific Ocean, the deepest ocean on Earth. Makes sense, doesn't it? And she's correct. So then she shows, goes further. What dry surfaces from deep underground is heated water that erupts from hydrothermal vents? This process keeps the ocean at a proper pH to sustain life and to keep the seafloors from freezing over. I do not believe, too, that many, if not all, volcanoes above ground are really hydrothermal vents as well. That is very possible, and I believe it's correct. Now, she states that the release of steam causes ash to blacken the skyline, which soon blanketed this landscape and mixed. As the hot ashes settled, it mixed with the dirt uh, and formed mudslides, similar to what occurred at Mount St. Helens in the 1980s with that eruption. From the steam, a portion of her cone becomes mud and slid down the mountain onto the landscape below. No lava, just a stream of mud. And that is what happened. There was a phenomenon that possibly could have been possibly worldwide, built in the area of Russia for sure, where in the late 1800s they had a mud flow event covering most of the land. Evidence can be found in all the buildings of that area that still stand today. You will see the first floors of these buildings below the ground. In some areas, the buildings are buried 30 feet below the sea level. And that's what I pointed out to you, Jeff, and audience, that history has not only been rewritten, but every aspect that we had great massive floods and mudslides throughout the continental United States, as well as Europe and Russia. And this has been all covered up because when we go to any major city of the 30 major ones in the United States, you will find that you have stairways that go down to what we believe is a basement. That's not the basement. That is the original first floor but there was so much ash and mud of uh, slides from uh, everything from earthquakes to just mudslides and, and uh, intense rain that they just gave up, packed it down, put roads on top of it, and created stairways which go down to the original first floor today. You can see them in any major city from Boston to New York to Chicago to San Francisco to Los Angeles. Anyway, she goes on and states that uh, uh, – that, uh, Check out the Philip, and his name is D-R-U-Z-H-I-N-I-N, apostrophe S. That's Drunhin's YouTube channel for more information on this catastrophic event, and he proves it. Now, she, one of her last quotes is uh, Genesis 2, colon 11-12. The name of the first is Pison, P-I-S-O-N. That is it, which encompasses the whole land of Havila, which is H-A-V-I-L-A-H, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. And there is uh, delium, which is uh, um, B-D-E-L-L-I-U-M, and the onyx stone, O-N-Y-X. Havila means one that suffers pain, comma, brings forth. Sounds like Eve in childbirth to me, as she states. Then she shows a picture of the earth again uh, with the water. The Philippines has been mining for onyx stones since ancient times. Philippines equals Havia, H-A-V-I-L-I-H, equals Ophir and Sheba, when you take the two names. So then she goes on to state that, now it is interesting in the movie, the Revenant, which is R-E-V-E-N-A-N-T, an onyx stone fell from the sky along with fire in that movie. And she goes on to point that, uh, and shows a picture 
of a meteor coming down and hitting the earth, an actual photograph. Thus, the Philippines was named by the Spanish, covering up many of the Hebrew names of the land. Did they also rename Ophir as the Philippines to honor the Phoenicians as their ancestors? Possibly, but I've also traced Ophir not to, Aust- uh, to uh, Australia as one expert was saying, but actually to the Amazon basin. Uh, I'll get to that in another day. The Philippines is named after is Philip and Pines, two words, which is an anagram. Uh, Pines is an anagram for the for the phallic or the, the word penis. Uh, so Philip, the king of Spain's penis. How nice. Making his history, his territory. I wonder who took all the gold from the people. King Carlos of Spain and his son, the new king heir, King Philippe, which is F-E-L-I-P-E, otherwise spelled as Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P, are the real Illuminati bloodline. Notice that the king, the Knights Templars crosses and the three eight-pointed stars, the eight-pointed star is a symbol for their blue bloods, the royal blue Jewish bloodline. And so are the um, Windsors of Prince uh, William and Harry uh, of the uh, United Kingdom. The main island of the chain is known as Luzon, L-U-Z-A-N, and was called Lusos before, L-U-C-O-S. Luzon means the gathering place. And Oahu, O-A-H-U, where I lived in Hawaii, the main island of the Hawaiian island chain, is also known as the gathering place. So it's two words, two different languages. They mean the same. I thought this could possibly be the home of Adam and Eve because it is made up of seven primary major islands. And we learned that Sheba means seven. Hawaii does have golden peacocks, but it is not known for apes or silver. That is correct. It is at the end of the earth, though being the rem- not the remotest land on the entire earth, but then Hawaii is in Ham's territory, not Shem's. And the garden is definitely in Shem's land, as described earlier. So the name of Hawaii uh, is very close to Yawa, which is Y-A-H-A-W-A-H, in pronunciation as Halia, which is H-A-L-E-I-W-A, for Havila, which is H-A-V-I-L-A, and Halia, which is H-A-L-E-I-W-A, is very similar to the Welsh version of H-A-L-E-L-I-W-I-A, Halea, which means hallelujah. It is also can be broken down into Hale, H-A-L-E, which means house, and Ewa, E-W-A, which is Eve, so house of Eve. Hawaii is also nicknamed as the Paradise Island, quote, However, I think all these similarities can be attributed to the Polynesians having originated from the Philippines and are a seafaring people. So they used the Hebrew words for God and associated the biblical words to Hawaii with them. We also have the rainbow bridge, which is rainbow for God's covenant with humanity, that he will never flood the earth again with water and that the bridge looks like a strand of DNA. Remember, Noah was perfect in his generations. And she's referring to uh, Hawaii is also known as the Rainbow State and is reflected on license plates, one of which I've kept when I came back from Oahu. Notice Oahu, Aloha, excuse me, A-L-O-H, is almost Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, and Aloha means welcome, greetings, and love. So therefore, with Aloha, uh, 
rosette. So Luzon, however, shows a picture of the license plate um, with a rainbow. However, it has another connection with Yoktan, which is J-O-K-T-A-N, and Sheba, S-H-E-B-A. Remember, Yoktan's brother, Peleg, P-E-L-E-G, went west when Yokan went east, remember? And the large, the third largest mountain of Luzon is called Peleg, P-E-L-E-G, spelled P-L-U, I'm saying spelled P-U-L-A-G, Mount Pulag. And Peleg, P-E-L-E-G, is a Hebrew word meaning dazzling light. And it was divided, quotation mark. It is that amazing or what? She goes on to show a picture of Hawaii. And there are a few more amazing connections in what we look around the island chain. If we look to the north, the land of the rising sun, we also find the national dog of Japan is called the Shiba, S-H-I-B-A. Inu Inu, which is I-N-U, I-N-U, means dog in Japanese. So Shiba Inu means Shiba dog. I wonder if this was a favorite pet of Queen of Sheba. And it shows a picture, uh, two pictures of what a, a uh, Shiba dog looks like. And they're very, they're very handsome, very beautiful. And we look to the southeast from the Philippines. We have none other than the Solomon Islands. Wow. Named after what? King Solomon, perchance. I would say most definitely. And then she shows a map of the Philippines. And well, I hope you have found this knowledge as interesting as I did. I learned that the whole earth is special and that all the people of the earth are God's chosen people. As long as you believe in him. That this is his throne is above the North Pole. And this is the true location of Jerusalem and Mount Zion. That Adam and Eve lived in the Philippines. They were cast out of Eden. And that was not the same place where Noah built his ark. All things are being revealed to us. I can't wait to see what the next revelation will be. She uh, almost ends and states that Luke 8-17, For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And then she states uh, at the end, here is her link to her YouTube presentation. The nice aspect of what Rosette Delacroix does is she she creates her own uh, uh, both video as well as a, a posting of an article with photographs and links to all of her sites. And so people have the choice of either watching her video or reading. And uh, depending how visual they like to be and if they like to read, you can read through it like I have done, which I gain more out of uh, knowledge as well as uh, the other option is the video for people who have less time. Anyway, that is the end of this article. And unfortunately, I didn't realize how long this was going to take. It is typically twice the length of any of the other ones. But we covered the entire uh, chapter, uh, basically part six. I will be able to do next week part seven and eight together at one time with no, no issues. And still have time left over, Jeff, for any people that want to uh, perhaps call into you or have questions. We'll always make time for your audience. All right, Jeff, I'll let you take over from right, here. So that's what we'll do. We'll conclude the Flat Earth series next uh, Wednesday. And then following that, I just want to be very clear uh, in what I'm going to say here. I am going to put up what I have developed a theory ba based on some esoterical knowledge that I have found. And, you know, at the beginning of this, I did say that I uh, disagree with the flat earth theory. If you agree with it, that's fine. Uh, however, 
I'm finding much of this information and I've never seen flat earth presented in the way that Chris has been bringing forward. And it actually further solidifies the theory that I am going to present to everyone here at the end. Now, the way I'm going to have to do it, I won't be able to do it on a live show because I actually have to show you a video of hidden knowledge. And uh, because I have a plan on Podbean that allows me to actually post videos, now sometimes it does buffer on Podbean and I can't get past that. Uh, however, the video is less than 10 minutes long and I will just do a little uh, preemptive thing. And what I think is most interesting about the theory that I will propose is not only does it tie in everything that Chris has been saying here in many ways solidifies the presentation, uh, but it also makes flat earthers and globe believers both right. How could that be? Well, you'll have to do it. And what I will do is I will prepare that and I will post it as an episode uh, because I can't show the video on a live. It just the technology doesn't allow me to do that. So I will put it there. And then, uh, of course, Chris will have time to watch it as well. And then perhaps on the final one, Chris will make go. I'll ask Chris to make comment on my uh, my alleged theory. <laughs> so it should be fun. OK, be fun. that's that's fine. Anyway, Jeff, I just wanted to mention I should be able to do seven and eight. I've already got nine and ten since we won't have time to do that. Uh, and uh, after yours, uh, before yours rather, I will send you. And if uh, she has done eleven, twelve, I will create her. I will transcribe them. I will send them to you, Jeff, and then you post them on your website for your audience. Is that All fair? Right. And listen, if if uh, if nine and ten are necessary, Chris, then we'll uh, we'll do it a couple more weeks. You know. Uh, Listen, I, I give you the opportunity to bring forth what you believe is important to people. So, you know, I'm just going to honor you in that. Okay. Well, I I didn't realize it was this long because I, I, I assembled this and read through it quite some time ago. It's been at least five, six years minimum. But I've saved the work, and this way at least your audience and the rest of the world will get the truth of life. And she is the one – she is the most spiritual of all – of the professional analysts and uh, uh, deciphers and uh, alternative historians in the world today. She is that good. And uh, her work is accurate. And as I mentioned, whenever she makes a minor, minor error, she always corrects it and admits it and shows how she arrived at that conclusion. But she is the, the number one de uh, decoder in the an English language today, unquestionable. I wish you got, I had the chance to uh, have met her in Hawaii when I was there from 2008 to 10. Anyway, I'll let you take over. You only have two minutes left. You have a meeting that comes directly after this. I wanted you to be able to close out, and I hope the audience enjoyed this because this is for their benefit. I hope they truly learned this is all spiritual, and it is the knowledge that is critical to life that we take with us when we cross over. We never die. Over. Yeah, amen. And by the way, someone had sent a comment, and I respect the comment. Maybe I should uh, not have my meeting right after this. Just uh, just as some background information, because I run such a very busy schedule, I have to uh, really schedule tightly, and I have a meeting every single day at 2 p.m., but on Wednesdays, I've pushed it back 
to uh, 2.30 because Chris had asked for the extra half hour. So I actually did that in honor of this show and in honor of uh, you, the listener, of course. Uh, and also, again, I apologize for missing last Wednesday. Uh, it just circumstances of life happen. Uh, and I have received a, a couple volunteers who have emailed me and uh, volunteered to help me put together these essays. So I'm going to be recontacting uh, the people who have volunteered because Chris has sent me a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, if they can help me translate them into a format, they can go on to write on you. That's right on the letter you.com. Uh, we'll throw up a whole bunch more stuff there uh, because Chris's uh, heart is to really get all of this stuff published. So uh, there, believe me, he's got way more than what I have and there will always be fresh content that, uh, isn't on there, and if there is some stuff on there, it's going to be super interesting to get Chris's uh, interjections in between some of the data as well. So, listen, thank you all for joining. Uh, thank you, everyone who sent the gifts and everything else. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm not pushing so hard for the gifts this month because of just the way this month has gone. Uh, we're, we're, we've kind of been bumped down on the algorithms, and I'm not going to beg to get uh, to get pushed back up. But next month, we're going to go at it aggressively. And uh, and uh, just a shout-out, uh, we did run a contest last month. And, I, and I'll honor the contest this month as well, for those of you who have sent gifts as well. But uh, the winner of last month's contest, Lisa, was on holidays. Uh, that's why we hadn't seen her. But she has responded to the email, and I have offered her a gift. And she is very appreciated uh, of it. So I just wanted to give the audience a... Uh, uh, heads up on that, that, uh, you know, I, I do honor my word, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, just uh, wanted to uh, say thank you for, for that. And thank you, everyone, once again, for being here. I will publish this episode uh, immediately after the show here. So uh, if you came on halfway through and you want to listen to the first half, uh, you'll be able to do that in just a few minutes. So remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community.